All systems have been alerted to your presence, sir. We'll put out all points, bulletins. We'll set up roadblocks everywhere. Bring out your date. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking about movies again. You know it's one of my favorite topics and I love to talk about movies, so more movies today. Now I'm doing this episode kind of with an eye towards giving you new things to watch during our lockdown slash quarantine period as a result of the COVID-19 emergency. And yes, it's still ongoing as I record this. Now, I know a lot of people are spending time on Netflix and on Hulu and on all their streaming services. They're binge-watching everything, and we've been at this now for more than two months, and we're probably starting to run out of things to watch. So I know a lot of people have Netflix, and I decided to dig into Netflix and look for some of the older movies that I remember that are on Netflix, at least as of this recording. Because, you know, they pull things down after a while. But the movies that I'm going to talk about today are all available on Netflix. They're older movies, and by older I mean they came out more than 30 years ago. And as an aside, 1990 is 30 years ago. Boy, how do you make somebody feel old? Say 1990 is 30 years ago. 1990 doesn't seem that long ago to me. So the movies on this list are 30 years and older. Some of them I've mentioned before, so I won't spend a lot of time talking about them. But this is going to be 10 older movies that I've watched, that I've enjoyed, and that I recommend that you watch. And you can find them on Netflix. If you've binge-watched everything else and you need something new to watch, pull out one of these old movies. It'll be worth your time. Really, it will. Now, as I've said with other old movies, you do have to give some of these older movies a little bit of space. Because the pacing of movies, the storytelling involved in movies, it's a slower pace. It's not the quick cuts. It's not the frenetic chase scenes. It's not the snappy dialogue that we get in so many movies these days. You have slower-paced films. You have slower-paced storytelling. So you have to give the movies a little bit of room to breathe. But if you sit down with a bowl of popcorn, you'll have a good time watching these movies. Now, after I give you the movies, I'm also going to go into the old movie tropes that we used to use all the time, but we pretty much don't use these anymore because they're outdated or forgotten or don't make sense anymore. Because you know me, when I give you a movie list, I have to give you movie tropes to watch out for. Some of these may appear in some of the movies that I'm going to talk about, but you'll see them in TV shows, movies, cartoons, all that predate 1990. Some of them go back even further than that. So that's what's in today's episode. Now before I give you the 10 movies that are formally on the list, I'm going to give you a couple of honorable mentions. Some of these I've seen which are good, but I didn't love them, love them. And a couple are on here that I haven't seen that everybody tells me I should see. They're also on Netflix. So honorable mentions that I've seen, Gilbert Grape, Groundhog Day, My Girl, She's Gotta Have It. These are all older movies that are on Netflix that I remember seeing that I remember is good. And if you want to go look for something older, they're worth taking a peek at. I mean, Gilbert Grape, that's Leonardo in an early role. Groundhog Day. Everybody loves Groundhog Day. Uh, I thought it was okay. My Girl, Cute Little Story. She's Gotta Have It, Spike Lee. Some good stuff in those movies. Personally, I'm not going to go back and watch them. The 10 on the list that I'm going to give you in just a minute, those are ones that I do go back and watch. But people have great things to say about those four. Now, there's three older movies on Netflix you can go check that I really should do. Purple Rain. I've actually never seen Purple Rain. I remember when it came out. I was not a Prince fan back then. I'm sorry. Some people love Prince. I like his music. He put out great stuff that we heard in the clubs all the time. But I didn't have a burning, yearning desire to go out and see Purple Rain. 
but that's available if you like Prince. Taxi Driver, classic Scorsese film. I actually never sat down and watched it. I've seen parts of it. You talking to me? That part with De Niro. I've seen that clip multiple times. And I know Shawshank Redemption is there too, and I know I should go see it, and everybody says it's one of the greatest movies of all time. I still haven't seen it. I will. I will. But if you're looking for 10 really, really good movies that I have seen, that I really recommend, and that I have watched over and over again, here's my 10 Netflix films that you can watch today that go back at least 30 years. Now, this isn't a ranking of 1 through 10. I like them all. And if any of them pop up, or if I'm feeling like watching a movie... I'll pick any one of these. So the first one on the list is Goodfellas. Goodfellas is really, really good. And hard to believe it came out 30 years ago. Goodfellas is a mobster movie, no question about it. It's based on the story of Henry Hill, who became a mob informant many, many years ago. It's got Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, all the usual mobster types from all of the movies you've ever seen about the mob. And it's really, really well done. Great acting, great storytelling, Kind of scary when you think about it, but Goodfellas, definitely worth it. Dirty Harry is also available on Netflix. Dirty Harry was one of Clint Eastwood's early roles, not as early as the westerns that he did, but he became Dirty Harry back in the 70s and put out a whole bunch of Dirty Harry movies. Magnum Force, Enforcer, Sudden Impact, The Deadpool. They had a bunch of Dirty Harry movies that came out after the first one, but Dirty Harry was the first. Dirty Harry is the name of the lead character Harry Callahan a San Francisco police inspector. And the plot of the movie is kind of loosely based on the Zodiac Killer back in the 60s and 70s. Dirty Harry is essentially a vigilante cop who's going to do whatever it takes to bring the killer to justice, even if it means going outside the law. That's basically the plot. And I mean, the serial killer is really an evil person and does evil things, and everything he does makes you just want to kick him in the groin as a start. And so by the end of it, you feel that Dirty Harry is justified. But this is one of the early vigilante cop-type movies where the good guy does whatever it takes. And it does have some of the classic Clint Eastwood lines from these Dirty Harry movies. Do you feel lucky, punk? That's the tail end of a great monologue that he does. I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't seen it, because it's so worth it just to watch for that monologue. And it's really well used in Dirty Harry. It is a little slower paced than some, but it's definitely worth it. So give Dirty Harry a look. Next on the list, the original True Grit with John Wayne. He actually won an Oscar for playing Rooster Cogburn in this movie. It's an old western, of course. It's John Wayne. What else would it be? The basic plot is a teenager hires John Wayne as a marshal to go out and find her father's killer. But it's really a well-done story. John Wayne is at his best John Wayneiness. You've got Glenn Campbell in there in a starring role. Some of the classic Western tropes are in here, but it's just a good, enjoyable Western movie. If you want to see John Wayne at his best, this is probably one of the best choices for it. And speaking of people at their best, next on the list, Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise at his best, not best action hero. This is Tom Cruise being his best at being charming. Yeah, he starts as an asshole, but the movie, which is about a sports agent who starts his own sports management company and learns about life and love and being a real person, it's a really good redemption slash romantic comedy. In Love or Hate Tom Cruise, he does a really good job in this movie. If you can put aside any feelings you have about Tom Cruise as being, you know, a little out there and just watch his acting, the dude can act. He's one of the best actors out there. He's not one of my most favorite people in the world. But the dude can act. And if you'd like a little romantic comedy, this is a good one. 
Also on the list, Tootsie. Now, a lot of you may not know Tootsie. I remember Tootsie because it was big when it came out. But these days, Tootsie's a little more obscure than it probably should be. Tootsie stars Dustin Hoffman as an actor who is Tom Cruise. He's very self-absorbed. He's a perfectionist. And he winds up not being able to get work anymore because he's, you know, an asshole. So he reinvents himself and dresses in drag and becomes a female actor and gets a role in a soap opera as a female. So he has to play as a woman during his day job while falling in love with one of the people on the show who happens to be Jessica Lange. And if you watch the movie, you can see why he falls in love with her. Tootsie is basically Mrs. Doubtfire. Remember the Robin Williams movie? But with a slightly different setting. But Dustin Hoffman plays a really convincing woman. And you know it's got the mistaken identity and the weird signal crossing and the you lied to me moments. But overall, it's a good romantic comedy. And if you've never seen Tootsie, it's definitely worth a look. Also worth a look are two movies that I've mentioned in the past. These are both older movies that are both really, really good, and both are available on Netflix. First of all, The Dirty Dozen. I've mentioned this one before as one of my favorite movies. It still is. And if you didn't take me up on it the first time, take me up on it now. It's such a great action movie. You've got everybody in this movie. Lee Marvin. Ernest Borgnine. You've got Charles Bronson in there. Telly Savalas is in there. Donald Sutherland is in there. Yes, Kiefer Sutherland's dad. An incredibly good actor in his own right. You got John Cassavetes in there. George Kennedy. Jim Brown, the football player. Like, there's nothing but stars in this movie. Plus a really great story about a World War II mission undertaken by convicted military criminals to do an assassination at some Nazi retreat. It's really, really well done. Really well thought out. A great action picture. The other one I've mentioned before is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Now, I know that Monty Python is not for everybody. The humor is broad, sometimes very juvenile, sometimes very sophomoric. In other words, exactly my kind of stuff. But there are so many great moments in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. If you've never seen it, give it a chance. Go look it up, spend a couple of hours. Yes, it's goofy humor and exactly the kind of stuff that I like. Okay, I've got three more for you, all available on Netflix, all worth a watch, and all with Harrison Ford. The first one is the original Blade Runner. They did a sequel a couple of years ago, but the original Blade Runner was so good. It's one of those first near-future, not-quite-apocalyptic, science-fiction-y type worlds. It involves Harrison Ford looking for replicants who've gone rogue. It's got some great societal commentary. It's got a great cast. It's got a great atmosphere. And if you've played any post-apocalyptic video games at all, or seen any post-apocalyptic movies at all, a lot of the stuff that you see now got its start in the original Blade Runner. That movie really set the tone for a lot of the stuff we see and play these days. So check it out if you can. The last two on the list involve, of course, Indiana Jones. Who else could it be? Raiders of the Lost Ark was the first Indiana Jones movie, which, by the way, was never called an Indiana Jones movie when it was first released. It was just called Raiders of the Lost Ark. After the movie became successful, it became an Indiana Jones movie. That movie is almost 40 years old now. For me, still one of the most memorable, one of the most powerful, one of the most exciting adventure movies I've ever seen. Looking at it now, I can see that it has aged. The pacing is still a little slow compared to what we watch now. But I don't mind slow pacing. In between the slow pacing parts, some of the best action you'll ever see in an action movie. 
Some great fight scenes, the opening sequence is so good, and the whole film really establishes Indiana Jones as a hero, which is why they spun off two good sequels, and one we won't talk about. Temple of Doom is also available on Netflix. I don't count that in this list. Of all of the sequels, Temple of Doom, to me, is the weakest, not counting the one we don't talk about. Temple of Doom is good. It's okay. I don't dislike it. But I think, by far, the best of the Indiana Jones movies is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's the one where Sean Connery plays his father, and there's this whole father-son dynamic going on throughout the movie. It has great history. It has the Knights Templar. It has some great fan service to the earlier Indiana Jones movies. It's just a really well-done movie. So if you haven't seen The Last Crusade, take some time and watch that too. I'd watch Raiders first, and then Last Crusade after that, but you don't have to watch the one to appreciate the other. So there's 10 movies for you to pull out of Netflix and put them in your queue and check them out when you've run out of things to binge watch. There's obviously lots of other great old movies you can watch. Those are 10 that I recommend. But while you're watching those or any old movies, I'm now going to give you 10 movie tropes that used to be in movies a lot, but either don't appear anymore at all, or every once in a while pop up and you go, what what does that mean? Where does that come from? The first one is... I'm going to marry her to give the baby a father. And the guy is going to marry the girl so that the baby she has will have a father. This is a thing that was much more prevalent years ago because we wanted to make sure that the baby wasn't a bastard, that we could protect the woman's good name, and that being a single mom was hard in this day and age. The last one still is true, but the first two, mm, not such a big deal anymore. Single parenting is a thing. It's just a fact of life. It's not honorable or dishonorable to be a single mom. It's just a thing. So you don't have to protect her reputation. You don't have to protect the baby's reputation. You don't have to be the hero to marry the pregnant woman to give the baby a father. Just doesn't happen anymore. Another societal one that's changed with the times. It's the breach of the promise to marry thing. I actually see this more on TV shows than in movies, but it comes up as a plot device in some of the older things you'll watch. It used to be when the man asked the woman to marry him and they got engaged, it was a promise to marry. And there's a whole societal thing behind why that was important. The woman was saving her virginity for marriage and the promise to marry was a promise that she would keep herself for him and he kept his promise to marry her and she kept her promise to stay a virgin until they were married. And there was all kinds of things going on with that on a societal level that we don't even worry about anymore. But you'll see in some old movies and some old TV shows that, well, I'm going to sue you for breach of promise. You promised to marry me. You're breaking your promise. I'm going to sue you and break you. I've even seen this in Gomer Pyle episodes. It was a big plot device. The breach of promise lawsuit doesn't exist anymore, mostly because the breach of promise thing is not a thing. People break up. People fight about engagement rings. But the breach of promise trope, gone. You don't see it anymore. You also don't see the cheating with the milkman trope, basically because we don't have milkmen anymore. It used to be, and I've talked about this in other episodes of the podcast, the milkman would come to the house and deliver milk every day. The farmer would send his milk to the dairy or produce it himself, and the dairy or the farmer himself would have a guy deliver the milk. And the milk truck would make the rounds throughout the neighborhoods and drop off milk at every house. So you'd get fresh milk every day. And you'd see this a lot in TV shows, cartoons occasionally in the movies where the woman would be having an affair with the milkman. Why? Well, it was easy. The milkman usually showed up after the guy went to work. The wife was home and bored. The milkman was a young studly gentleman usually, and nature would take its course. We don't have milkmen anymore, so there's no affairs with milkmen. 
Now you might have an affair with a FedEx guy or the plumber. Could be the Amazon delivery driver. But milkmen, not so much. Something else that was huge in cartoons and TV shows and a lot of the older movies, especially the silent movies, the dangerous construction zone. You'd see somebody walking on a steel girder high in the air. Or one of those steel girders would be on a cable and two or three people would be fighting on it or walking on it. Or you'd have someone sleepwalk out onto an open beam. I remember hot rivets were a thing. I was always worried about hot rivets falling out of a construction site. They used to have to heat the rivets up to join steel beams in these construction sites. You'd have a hot rivet fall in somebody's hat or their back pocket or their boot and hilarity would ensue. Apparently somebody talked to OSHA. We don't have any dangerous construction sites anymore, so you don't see those scenes anymore. You might get half-finished construction zones, like Die Hard, for instance. There was half-finished construction up above the 31st floor, so that's where a lot of the hilarity ensued in that movie. But not like the old Buster Keaton movies. No more sleepwalking on girders these days. We have much safer, dangerous construction zones. This next one is a little one. I remember this as a kid, but you don't see it anymore. There used to be a thing where if you wanted to remember something, you would take a piece of string and tie it around your finger. Like if you wanted to pick up milk at the store, you would take a piece of string and tie it around your finger to remind you, I have to go pick up milk at the store. Nowadays, with our electronic devices, we can just say, Siri, remind me to go pick up milk. You can see this a lot in cartoons, sometimes TV shows, where they would tie a string around the finger to remember to do whatever. Have you ever seen the trope? I used to see that. You don't see it anymore. If you ever see anybody with a string tied around their finger, that's what it's for. There's some tropes about eating, too, that we don't do anymore. I remember this from the cartoons. You can call it typewriter eating if you want to. It doesn't exist anymore because we don't know what typewriters are anymore. I mean, I do. But when's the last time you saw a typewriter? I feel really old having to explain this, but very simply, a typewriter is a machine with a keyboard like the one you're using at your computer, except the keyboard was attached to a machine that would push keys against a ribbon filled with ink that would hit paper and leave letters or numbers or punctuation marks on the paper. So you push the key on the keyboard that would move the metal key in the typewriter and you'd hear it snap against the paper. So you'd push your key X and you'd hear the X go. And the keyboard itself was mechanical. So you'd hear the click, 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 click and the smack, 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 smack of the keys hitting the paper. Now, you know, a piece of paper is only so wide. When you got to the end of a line of typing, a bell on the typewriter would go off to let you know you were at the end of the line. And then there was a little bar on the carriage, which is where the paper was, that you would hit and send the carriage all the way back to the left side so you could start typing again. So it would be clack, 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 ding, whoosh, clack, 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 ding, whoosh, and so on as you filled up a piece of paper. That's a very long-winded way of explaining this trope that you don't see anymore. Because what they used to do in cartoons and on TV occasionally is they'd show somebody eating a piece of corn really, really fast. And they'd put the sound effect in so that the guy eating corn on the cob would go cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. And then you'd hear a ding and then a whoosh. And he'd go back to the left side of the corn cob again and start eating. Cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Ding. Whoosh. It probably took far too long to explain that trope. But I guess you have to set up the background so that if you ever do see an old cartoon or an old TV show or an old movie where somebody is eating corn on the cob or a carrot, I've seen it done with a carrot too. They're eating from left to right. And then you hear a ding and a whoosh. 
That's a typewriter trope. The typewriter eating trope is gone forever. And probably after that explanation, thank God for that. A much easier trope to explain? The 30 minutes or it's free trope. Years and years ago, Domino's Pizza, almost 30 years ago, it's hard to believe, but Domino's Pizza had the 30-minute guarantee. Their advertising slogan was, you order your pizza from us, we'll deliver it to your house in 30 minutes or you get it for free. So anytime you hear reference in a movie or a TV show to someone saying, well, I better have it in 30 minutes or it's free, or you weren't here in 30 minutes, I get that for free, right? That's where that comes from. That was a guarantee that Domino's made back in the late 80s, early 90s. Then they realized, you know, this is kind of promoting reckless driving on the part of our drivers. Maybe it's not such a good idea. So they stopped the 30 minutes or it's free guarantee. That didn't stop the trope from still popping up occasionally now. But if you're watching an old movie or an old TV show, that's what that's all about. Another thing you'll see in old movies and old TV shows is the food pill. Back in the 40s and the 50s, apparently everybody thought that nutrition was going to be capsulized in the form of a pill. We would no longer have to grill steaks or have hamburgers. We'd no longer have to fry chicken or mashed potatoes. We'd have the tastiest, most exquisite combination of foods in the form of a pill. It came up a lot in science fiction, but sometimes in comedies too, you'd talk about the food pill. Oh, look, have a steak, and you'd pop a pill, and there's your steak. Oh, it tastes just like a steak. The thing is, the food pill would never work. People like to eat too much. As convenient as we want things, we still like the smell of a barbecue. We still like the taste of that fried chicken. We still yearn for those buttery mashed potatoes. So even if a food pill was possible, nobody would really want that. We want our food, damn it. But yeah, I remember as a kid thinking, well, I better enjoy these burgers while I can. Someday it's all going to be food pills. Thank God it's not. Okay, just got a couple more for you. First, there's the bank toaster. Well, it doesn't have to be a toaster. It could be the bank razor. It could be the bank lamp. The way it used to be in the olden days. I know I'm really dating myself now. But banks would want you to open up accounts there. And to entice you to do that, they would give you presents. If you went to the bank and opened up an account, they'd give you a toaster. Or they'd give you a new razor. Or they'd give you a new lamp. Because it got you in the door, got you to deposit your money with the bank, and as a thank you, you got a present. Now, the way society is these days, toasters and lamps and razors are relatively inexpensive. And so what the banks do is try to give you favorable interest rates or cash prizes. Open an account, we'll put an extra 50 bucks in the account. People like the cash better than a toaster. But if you look at some old TV shows or watch some old movies, you'll see some banks will have a stack of toasters or other appliances inside the bank door. Or somebody will go to the bank to open up an account just so they can get a new lamp. We don't see that anymore. And that's really just because the way society has changed. The other thing we don't see? Telegrams. You know what a telegram is? A telegram is a written message that used to be sent by wire. And every time they'd read a telegram in a movie or TV show, stop, they would have to say the word stop, stop, after every piece of punctuation, stop. They sometimes used it as a joke, stop, but it was really based on something that was factual, stop. The word stop was used in telegrams to designate the end of a line because telegrams were sent by Morse code over telegraph wires. So it would be dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dash, dot, dash. And the telegraph operator would have to interpret the message and write it down. Now, back in World War I, the military adopted the practice of putting stop at the end of a sentence to designate the end of the sentence because the last thing they wanted to do as a military effort was have ambiguous messages. So they put stop in all of their messages. 
that practice was adopted by society when they sent telegrams. Now, telegrams were the instant message of the day. Nowadays, you could DM somebody on Twitter and they can have the message in like a second. Back in the early 1900s, you could send a telegram this morning and have it in the person's hands by the afternoon. Western Union was the big company that did that for the U.S. and around the world. And you would go to a Western Union office and leave your message there. And some Western Union operator would send that to San Francisco. And it would be interpreted by an operator in San Francisco who knew Morse code. And they'd print it out on a telegram paper. And then they'd dispatch it with a delivery person who would deliver the telegram to whoever you were sending it to. So you don't see references to telegrams anymore at all. And obviously the stop joke doesn't exist anymore. The stop joke, stop, was actually a very humorous stop when used correctly. Stop. This is not one of those times. Stop. So there you have it. Ten tropes that, if you want to see them, you have to go dig into the archives and watch the old movies. Because we don't do them anymore. We don't give away toasters in the bank. We don't have affairs with the milkman. And we don't have any food pills. By the way, you can still send telegrams. I bet you didn't know that. There's this myth out there that telegrams don't exist anymore. Telegrams still exist. You can actually send a telegram. And you can actually order your telegram online. Yes, I researched this because I wanted to find out what happened to Western Union. You don't use Western Union anymore to send a telegram, but you can absolutely send a telegram to somebody anywhere in the world. I actually found out that there's 17 million telegrams still sent every year. Believe that? Pretty cool, huh? And if you want to send a telegram, all you need is the name and address of the person you're sending it to. You just need a street address. If you have that, here's what you do. Go to itelegram.com and you can order a telegram. I don't know if they're going to use the word stop in it, but you could ask them to. Then you too can make your own telegram jokes. And the beauty of it is you don't even have to send it in Morse code. You can just tell them what the message is. I'm not recommending it. I'm not saying it's a substitute for anything, but if you ever want to send a telegram, that's how you can do it. See, we learn something new every day. That's the beauty of life, isn't it? Now you know you can send telegrams. You may not want to watch any of these movies that I talked about, but you could send a telegram today. And I hope you enjoy that knowledge. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed telling you these stories. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.